0: Hello and welcome to Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm your host, Pacifico Soldati. This show explores topics from law and business to consciousness, spirituality, and everything in between. We feature accomplished leaders across many fields to help you get more out of your life. You can learn more and stay up to date at theluepodcast.com. If you're not familiar with my background, I'm a helper, parent, marketer, attorney outlaw, certified mediator, story brand guide, omnist, yoga teacher, and a former paratrooper and award-winning army chef at the 82nd Airborne Division and US Army Special Operations Command. Command. I'm the founder and CEO of the Soldati Group, a marketing agency helping startups, small businesses and law firms leverage the power of story to grow their businesses. Law, the Universe and Everything is a production of the Soldati Group. All opinions expressed by the hosts and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of the Soldati Group or guest employers. This podcast is for information and entertainment purposes only, and these discussions do not constitute legal or investment advice. Today's episode is brought to you by Prosperitas, an animated video agency that can help you bring your company's ideas, values, products, and messages to life with the power of visual storytelling. Whether you strive to win more customers, engage, or educate your audience, Prosperitas will craft each video specifically targeted to fit your brand and vision. Visit ProsperitasAgency.com today to learn more. That's P-R-O-S-P-E-R-I-T-A-S Agency.com to find out how Prosperitas can create the best videos your company has ever had. My guest today is Garrett Wilkes. Garrett graduated with a BS in kinesiology and a minor in Spanish from Arizona State University in 2007, and then graduated from the Phoenix School of Law in 2011. After running a successful law practice in December 2017, Garrett had a severe mental breakdown that caused him to be hospitalized for 45 days. He had to sell his law firm and voluntarily surrendered his license to practice law via consented disbarment. Since then, Garrett has been involved in business coaching and consulting. He is also in the process of creating nonprofit businesses to support business professionals who suffer from mental health and have had disciplinary issues with their prospective lightened their specific licensing boards. The first company called Suits and Scars primarily primarily focuses on working with disbarred or suspended attorneys who are trying to find peace and recovery while reintegrating into the work field. The next company called Scrubs and Scars primarily focuses on working with individuals in the medical field who are trying to find peace and recovery while reintegrating into their work field. Garrett has three kids, all of whom are on the autism spectrum one of whom has been classified as a genius with an IQ of 144. And the other nonprofit profit business, Garrett is in the process of forming, focuses on parents and especially fathers, connecting with their kids who have autism or are on the spectrum by creating positive atmospheres for connection via outlets such as outings, gaming, high adventure activities like hiking, canoeing, paddleboarding, etc. And learning how to deal with the shame that comes up when parenting kids with such specific needs. Thank you so much for joining me today, Garrett, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Pacifico. It really is an honor to be here on the show today.
0: Uh, it's my pleasure. So tell me, take me back a little bit. What led you to first go into kinesiology and then pivot from that towards law school?
1: Growing up, I've always been involved in sports. Played in high school, played in college uh, before I went to ASU. And so originally I was trying to find a way to get and stay involved in sports and sports medicine. So my motivation was to go into kinesiology and then go into some type of chiropractic medicine and then pivot that into athletic training with more of a holistic approach. In my last semester or my last year of my major in kinesiology, I was at an interview for an internship with a large hospital here in Mesa and as I was walking through the, the tour and just the, the presentation of the position of the internship I had this really distinct impression that I shouldn't work there and I haven't gotten those kinds of impressions very often in my life and I ignored it the impression came back again ignored it and it just came back so strong that I just looked at the physical therapist and I said, thank you, but I'm not interested in the position. And so I left. And that night I had a dream about me going to law school. And I told my wife, hey, I had this dream about going to law school. My dad's an attorney. My grandfather who's deceased was an attorney and sat on the benches at a judge for over 30 years. And it's him who i'm named after and then i have a brother who's an attorney several or an uncle who was in the legal field and my wife looked right at me just blank stared and said i had the same dream What? And yeah really bizarre yeah and things like that don't really happen very often in my life even though i consider myself spiritual and so I went to my dad to get his opinion because he had always tried to talk me out of going to law school and becoming an attorney. And he looked right at me and he said, I've just always had this feeling that you should go to law school. And so that's where it all just started from there.
0: Wow. So what kind of law did you end up practicing?
1: So I ended up focusing on corporate business formation and then a lot of immigration. I did some criminal, some civil stuff, but a lot of my practice primarily was on, you know, business formations, helping individuals with their small businesses, LLC formations, nonprofits, things like that. And then a a lot of immigration. Yeah.
0: Was that all in Arizona as well?
1: Primarily in Arizona, the immigration stuff was permeated throughout the United States. So I had several clients in Utah, California, Texas, North Carolina.
2: Mm.
0: So tell me about the journey from there and then up until you end up with consent to disbarment.
1: So early in my adulthood I started suffering from addiction and it always just was there in the background I just used it as a way to cope with a lot of shame in it. I have several uncles who were addicts, my dad's parents were addicts as well. And even though I tried to control it for you, if you know anybody who's an addict or addicts in general, you just can't control it, just gets worse and worse. So while I was practicing law, I ended up opening my own law firm in 2016. And my addiction just started getting worse and worse. It started becoming it started becoming more of a need in terms of actively engaging in it several times during the day and it got to a point where it just started destroying my marriage it started destroying my family I had a business partner at the time who found out about my addiction and started blackmailing me with it and so that started creating a a significant amount of stress in my life in the very tail end of October 2017, my wife and I had separated, and I had an absolute, I call it a bender, where I was up for three days straight. And I would be up, I'd be doing stuff all night. I'd go and I'd go to hearings, meet with clients during the day, up all night, hearings, meet with clients during the day, up all night. And I just, I had this. Just this point where I just collapsed and I was, I couldn't move and nobody could get a hold of me. And finally, my twin sister, who's probably, I would probably refer to her as my savior, went to where I was staying because she had a key and found me. And I was meeting with my therapist at the time and my therapist said, I can't help you. And my therapist was ready to fire me. And you've hit a low point when your own therapist is ready to fire you as a client. Oh yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, that that doesn't happen very often. And so I looked at my therapist and I was like, you can't fire me. And that's why I'm here. And she looked right at me and she said, you've got two options. Either I fire you as a client or you're enrolled in an addiction recovery center slash mental hospital within the next 30, 72 hours. I said, like, I can't do that. I've got, Clients I've got hearings. I've got trials. Like I I just can't do it in 72 hours. And she's the choice is yours And so I called my my dad who was actively practicing at the time and Signed over power of attorney to him got all my bank accounts and everything squared over to him and to my wife and I get enrolled in the addiction recovery center. Well while I'm gone my business partner starts, My she was a former business partner at this time, starts contacting all my clients, telling them that I've ran off with their money, that I've stolen all their property and things like that. And she starts paying them to file these bar complaints against me. And I wouldn't be authentic at it if I didn't sit here and say that some of them had legitimate claims, some of them did. And so when I was in the treatment center, I get this call from my ethics attorney who is telling me that the bar is ready to shut down everything because they've just got all these bar complaints. During all this, my wife is getting random text messages from random numbers of people following our kids. My kids are walking to school and she gets a picture from a random phone number of my kids walking to school. And it Jesus. comes to find out that my ex-business partner is completely engrossed and is a member of the Mexican cartel.
2: And the cartel
1: what? is now following my kids to
2: school. What?
1: Yeah. Wow. and And... My wife and my brother-in-law are doing stakeouts at my office trying to find out where this lady is to get information for the bar, to get information for the police, to get information for all these other individuals and agencies. Meanwhile, I'm in the recovery center, and everybody's begging me to come home. And, And I can't. And so all of this is going on, and nobody knows what's going on. We can't disclose anything about where I'm at because it violates the policies and agreements of the treatment center. And so I finally get back right before Christmas, and I don't even have time to spend with my family. My very first meeting was with my ethics attorney in the bar, and we sit down with them, and we paint out everything what's going on with the bar. I probably had at least eight to 10 hours worth of meetings with the bar, just going over detail for detail. At one point in time, I got a call from the U.S. attorney's office trying to get some information about what this lady's doing and the extortion. I ended up having to file an order of protection against her and things like that. And so in March of 2017, I was really blessed to find some people to, to buy my law practice. And And so I sold my law practice to them, worked with the bar, I could have taken a suspension. In fact, if I would have taken the suspension I was offered, I'd be back probably – in the process of getting my license now but my wife and i we prayed about it i spoke about it with my ethics attorney and we decided to take i decided to consent to a disbarment to just hand it all in because i needed the opportunity to work on myself and to just focus on myself
0: wow that's a hell of a story
1: (laughs) yeah it doesn't even sound believable at times it was just an insane Insane roller coaster.
0: Yeah, yeah, sounds. But and here you are, come out the other side, and working to now help people who've been in a similar position.
1: And this wasn't always. This wasn't always the plan or the goal. From June of two thousand eighteen, when my license, when I was officially disbarred, until December two thousand eighteen, I probably submitted over a thousand job applications. A lot of degree really successful. I was on CNN, nominated for several awards, fluent in Spanish. And I couldn't get an interview because of the consent to disbarment. So I finally went to work for a company doing insurance appeals work for them. And I disclosed everything in my interview to them with HR and things like that. And they hired me on anyway, about two weeks into it, some anonymous individual from the company emailed the head HR about my disbarment, my issues with details. And I get called in by the head HR and the head HR is like, why didn't you disclose it? And the lady who was at my interview looked right at her and said, he did disclose it. He disclosed everything. And they said that me continuing there would create a bad reputation for the company. And so they let me go. This was about four days before Thanksgiving. Mm. And, and I remember just sitting there just crying. The shame of not being able to provide for my family. All the while, everything's really just starting to get really rocky with our kids and in, in terms they hadn't been officially diagnosed at this time, so we don't know what's going on with them. And then this is where I just told myself. I've got to, I've got to do things on my own. Nobody's gonna see the value in me, which is a a really pessimistic self point of view in and of itself. And, and so that's when I started meeting with some judges here in 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 the Phoenix Valley and started pitching this idea to them about working in conjunction with the state bar and on how to help individuals just emotionally get through through this process? How do I help them reintegrate back into the business world? How do I help prepare them for when they want to start practicing law again, that they're able to show remorse and rehabilitation and and education and, and improvement? And so that's where I've been at with Suits and Scars is just creating this platform to help people transition from practicing law into the business field while learning how to Present their disciplinary issues, and then learning how to reintegrate back into the
2: practice of the law.
0: Wow, that's quite the yeah! What a powerful journey, and it seems almost meant to be. In terms of you probably wouldn't be able to really do the work that you do now if you hadn't gone through all of that and really experienced it. Because I imagine it allows you to just speak on a different level to the people that you're working with.
1: It definitely helps me be empathic towards them. And to not only be empathic, but to understand that there's a grieving process. When I was first going through all this with the state bar, and they, they first came out with a one-year suspension offer, then a two-year suspension offer, then a three-year suspension offer, and then discussing disbarment, I'm looking at my attorney and thinking, thinking, I've been honest about everything. It's not as bad as it sounds because I was still in that denial phase. And then talking with inter- other individuals as they're going through it, instead of, Wanting to tell them, yes, it's worse than it seems. It's more along the lines of, I feel your pain. This is really hard. What does support look like for you? What do you need? What what do you think you're going to need in six months? And that's where the real blessings have come for me.
0: I can definitely see that. So tell me a little bit about like how you've set these up, how like the work happens and, and what some of the results have been so far.
1: So we're still, I'm still in the, in, the, in the model and planning phase and stages, and I've, and I've been really blessed to have some real significant support from these judges. And so the, where, where we're at with it right now is just creating the, the model of complaint is filed against the attorney, and then how do I get involved with them? Once I'm involved with them, what's the process of me helping them? Because the goal isn't to give them legal advice. They can go out and get attorneys for them. It's to give them coaching advice. It's to give them support. It's to provide them with resources and things like that. If they're struggling with addiction, to help point them towards the right therapist, to help get them into the right 12-step programs and things like that. If it's about – if they own their own practice, if it's about selling the practice, it's getting them – in with the right attorneys that can help them with that transition process of transitioning out of the practice of law and selling their law firm or getting their clients taken care of because my experience, and I've now worked on a pro bono basis without charging. I've now worked with over 25 individuals and my experience with every one of them has been, they wanted to reach out for help before they didn't know how, they got in too deep, they didn't know how to get out. And there never really has been malice of any kind. They just don't know what to do or where to go or how to get there. And so the blessing and then the struggle has been just really identifying what support plans for each of these individuals look like. And then once we get them into a support plan and there's a support plan in place, I meet with them once a month or once every other month to see where things are going, to see how they're progressing, see what kind of help and support they need and just try to figure out where to go from there.
2: Mm.
0: That's really awesome. Thank you for your service. That's like tremendous work that I mean, so necessary,
1: right? Yeah, it's, it, it really has. It really is. When I was going through everything, the bar had, done away with their members assistance program so there was no members assistance program for me to lean on to now there is a members assistance program which i'm involved with and the individual who runs the program her name is Nancy she is phenomenal she is most definitely the right person to be running this program for the state bar hmm. that's awesome so then
0: tell me what you're looking to do um bring some of your nonprofit work into like more sort of positive conscious parenting kind of stuff
1: so as you alluded in my introduction, I have three kids who are on the autism spectrum. I myself am on that spectrum as well. And and dealing with kids on the spectrum is a challenge for any one individual. For three, it's it's a full-time it's a full-time duty. And each specific kid has very specific needs and having gone through all of this in one of my parenting classes that I attended with my wife, we heard the phrase that really has just struck, struck us in our professional and our personal lives, and it's slow down, connect, and correct. And working with, my, with these individuals that I've been working with, they're so emotionally, they're just so emotionally amped up that it's really hard for them to slow down and see things as they are. So learning how to install meditation into their daily practice, we've done the same thing with our kids. We're not perfect at it, but we try to practice meditation with them. We try to practice yoga with them because for an individual on the autism spectrum, it is so hard for them to slow down, especially when they're in one of their meltdowns. My my youngest who's five, He's on the spectrum. He also has been diagnosed with Oppositional Defiance Disorder and he has struggles with rage. And when he's in the middle of an episode, trying to give him space and teach him the tools to calm himself down is the only way to help him because there's nothing else that benefits him. And my oldest is the same way his isn't with rage necessarily as it is with impulse control. Learning how to just center ourselves individually and spiritually, meditating, if it's just for one minute, and just reconnecting with ourselves, rewinding, trying to figure out where we went wrong and how to move forward. That tool right there has been the lifesaver for us for parenting, so we don't lose our minds and are cool with our kids.
0: Mm, so important.
1: It it really has been Uh, a fortuitous struggle
0: yeah every every relationship is a lesson right so it's just helping us exercise something different whether it's the need to express unconditional love or patience or communication or something like there's it's always like those things that Kind of stress us out or cause us some of the most grief in our lives. It's, it's just the universe like telling you to work on something. It's like you said, slow down, assess the situation, and, and see what it's really calling on you. I
1: really believe the universe knows what we need at any given moment. You can call it. You can call it God. You can call it a higher power. You, you can call it whatever you want, but the universe knows what we need in the moment that we need it. It's just up to us to get ourselves into a position to be able to hear it and maybe we hear it through other people. Maybe we hear it through prayer or meditation. Maybe we hear it through music. We hear it through running, but however we choose to center ourselves, if we don't put ourselves in a position to hear it, we can't get what we need.
0: No, I totally agree. I actually, I've told this story like before on here, I think, but I had seen a TikTok back in like February of a woman talking about being able to see signs from the universe and that you actually need to be like really specific in what signs you want to see because you're actually getting signs all day, every day. But if you're not like really tuned in, then like you're gonna miss most of them. And so she said, just ask for a particular thing. If you need to know that you're on the right path or you're doing the right thing, ask the universe to show you something. And so she had chosen rainbows and okay. And I was like, I have rainbow curtains, so that would be cheating because like every morning I'd go out in my living room and I'd be like, all right, I'm on the right path, which I don't know, might have some like positive psychological effect, but I need something more, a little rare, a little more rare in my life. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'll just go with like white feathers, I guess. I "I don't really see white feathers on a regular basis, but like it can happen. And I quit my job in the green tech industry, started my own business solutions firm and, and media company. And I then went one day picked up my kids and they were like hey can we go to this park it's like one of the biggest parks in phoenix and we'd never been there and so i was like oh okay sure no problem and so we go and that's probably a few hundred yards to walk from like the parking lot to like where there's actually any playground just because it's so expansive and there's like a little amusement park and, and tons of grass and stuff like that and so they start running off like towards the playground and walking behind them and i'm just like in my i'm just up in my head just oh is this the right move should i be going out on my own should I be doing my own thing And I crept this one hill and on the other side, I just started laughing because it looks like it's just been a massacre of like doves or something. It's just like the world's largest pillow fight. There was thousands of white feathers as far as the eye could see. And I was like, okay, I got it. I got the message. Like, cool. And so it was like, definitely some like weapons grade self-doubt erasure right there. And so it is however you do need to like tune in. And I think song lyrics are another thing, right? That's just, you don't hear every lyric in a song the same way every time that you listen to it. And so those different times that you just like, Hear something new or whatever, just even if you just hear a bit of a song and it's, you hear those words, and it's like, those are just words passing, the universe is passing through to you and just whatever those thoughts set off, it's oh, okay, that's there for a reason. So it's really interesting.
1: Yeah, and if you if you were to, if we took, if we sat there and we just did an inventory of the experiences that we've had in our life, we can see how the universe has presented us with opportunities to get what we need and we can see where we've accepted it or where we've rejected it. Maybe we do it subconsciously or maybe we do it intentionally. And just being able to get ourselves into a place to say, whatever comes today, it's because it's part of some plan that's outside of my control. So I'm just going to accept it and go with it. There's a lot of power and there's a lot of peace that's, in, that's involved in that. I remember when I was at the treatment center, I started hearing about all this going down with my professional life and my family life. I was so frustrated. And I remember I was in literally this, just the backwoods of Tennessee at the treatment center and it was in November. So it was cold. I don't understand cold. I'm from Arizona. And so I'm outside. It's about 10 o'clock at night. I'm in these woods, which is part of the center where I'm at. And I'm just screaming, at the top of my lungs to God, just screaming, like, why are you allowing this to happen? This is so unfair. I have faith in you. And and this is how you're just a bunch of stupid things that, that I'm yelling to him. I couldn't speak the next three days. My, I had something happened to my throat from yelling out in the cold. And I couldn't speak three day for three days. And all I could do was just listen. That's it. And. Not speaking for three days and just listening taught me so much about patience and slowing down and not just listening to what's going on on the outside, but what's going on to the inside. And so I always attribute my recovery starting at that point in time and just learning to go from there.
0: Mm. Powerful. Yeah. So how has a failure or an apparent failure
2: set you up for later success? And do you have a favorite failure? My, so my son, who's my oldest son, he's he's brilliant. And,
1: but part of his brilliancy is when he meets something that he can't do right away, he struggles and he just quits. And one of our favorite movies is Meet the Robinsons. And there's a part in there where the, and I don't remember the character's name, but he's trying to rebuild the time machine and, and it fails. And he puts his head in his hands and he's, you know, so distraught and he's apologizing over and over again. And the family's going nuts telling him that he failed and they're celebrating it and things like that. And there's a quote in the movie and, and he says, why, Are you celebrating I failed? And they they say, because you failed. You tried, you failed, and you're one step closer. And I could look at times in my life where I failed at things and I had no other option but just to get back up. I would say, by far, my biggest failure has been my law firm that I had. And people would say, well, why is that? You were on CNN, you won awards, You, you made millions of dollars in your law firm. It failed because I didn't know who I was, I didn't know how to practice law, and I didn't know how to do it the right way. And what it's done is it's forced me to look at my life, look at what's important to me, and look at how to rebuild myself As I'm running these nonprofit organizations, I'm just incredibly blessed to be working for uh, a a tax firm as well, who's just completely blessed me with these opportunities to grow my nonprofits and they're really supportive of family life and of my other professional goals that I have. But failing and rock bottom, we're talking volcanic ash, rock bottom. has led Mm -hmm. me to some of the greatest blessings that I've had in my life up to that point. More than one story that I share with people all the time was. I, I remember the time when, or the weeks where I would shower in the dark in the pitch black and I would get dressed in pitch black because I was so ashamed to look at myself. And I couldn't even put on clothes in the mirror because I was so ashamed to look at myself. Now I can look at myself with pride and with humility and say, I'm going to accomplish something new today because of what I've had to go through to get to where I'm at right now. Sounds like. It's been the hardest, most rewarding journey I've ever been through.
0: Yeah. So, Garrett, tell me, what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life?
1: And we're not talking. We're not talking about. We're not talking about scripture or things like that. I'd say the author
2: Don Ruiz Miguel has been just influential in my life, and
1: I've read a lot of his a lot of his books. But of all of them, I would say the four has been just super influential for me, in that it's taught me how to just accept life within myself and setting boundaries for within myself. So that's one that's really helped me and really inspired me. The other one that I just got, Brene Brown's Daring Greatly. And she talks so much about this Teddy Roosevelt quote that's called the man in the arena. and Mm. The I don't know if you've ever heard it, but basically the premise is there's this individual who he you get you get chastised, you get criticized and things like that. And it's I don't look to individuals who don't do what I'm unless they're doing what I'm doing, practicing vulnerability, getting in the arena, getting dirty, putting myself out there, being authentic and taking risks. And if no one's willing to do that for me, then their opinions of me don't matter. Another, I'd say the other book is a book that my mom gave me right as I was tailing on the tail end of, of my disbarment, and that's Eckhart Toll's A New Earth
2: mm-hmm.
1: and learning how to deal with resentment, learning how to center ourselves in our bodies, learning how to really get inside our inner selves. Those that, that, and my mom and I still have conversations about, Hey, here, this is what I learned here. This is what I heard here. I'm actually reading it now for the third time. And it's, and you you learn something new every time you read or you listen to a book and being able to just read it and listen to it. And then talk about with somebody who's read it and processed it as well has been really powerful for me.
2: Absolutely.
0: So if you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on
2: it, what would it say and why? I would put on there. So if I could have it anywhere, I'd have it right above my house. And I
1: would put on there. There are many options in life. Giving up is not one of them. Because we're all faced with challenges. Some of them are crippling. Some of them are just annoying. (laughs) And, And we always have the opportunity to choose how we're going to confront the challenges, how we're going to go through them how we're going to react to them and how we're going to share them. The one thing that we can't do is give up. There's the rock always talks about physical limitations and he talks about how incredible the body is and how we never really truly understand our body's potential until we've taken it to a breaking point. And I would say the same applies for us spiritually, emotionally, and mentally. If we give up, if we stop, if we are not relentless in our pursuit of happiness, whatever happiness looks like, we'll never reach what we want to reach if we give up.
0: Couldn't agree more. So, what is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made? And feel free to interpret the word investments as
2: broadly as you like. So I would, I would say personally, it would be in my addiction recovery.
1: And because addiction is not a problem, it's a symptom. It's a symptom to an underlying problem. And I had all this stuff going on inside of me that I had no clue was even there. And until I, I really just let go of any semblance of control. And I said, okay, I have to make this my priority. I never learned what it was that I truly wanted. I never, I had to redefine who I was and I'm still in the middle of that process. And sometimes it's really hard. And so investing in, recovery. It's not always just addiction recovery. Sometimes it's trauma recovery and, or it's professional recovery or it's family life recovery, but investing in recovery for myself to be able to definitively say, this is who I am. This is who I want to be. This is me. Yes. I'm quoting the lyrics from the greatest show, man. Um, <laughs> but, but that, that has really just redefined professional goals, personal goals, family goals for me. In terms of professional and professional investments, I'd say the pursuit of entrepreneurialism has been a real blessing for me and investing in that as well. Learning how to better myself, better my credentials, uh, better put myself in a position to say, here's how I can help you. Here's life experiences that tell me why. Our community as a whole puts way too much emphasis on the initials behind our names, on our paper achievements and things like that. And so I'm going to get those as well so that for those individuals who don't believe in experience, they believe more in credentials, they can see that, yes, this Garrett has the literary experience and knowledge necessary to be able to provide Coaching or mentorship or guidance or whatever is needed. What
0: advice would you give to a smart, driven high school or college graduate about to enter the real world? And is there any advice you think they should ignore?
2: the The very first
1: thing that I would tell this driven individual is, I would look at them and I would say, "Do you know what
2: you really want?" And if they can answer that definitively, then I would say seek advice
1: that's going to make you better and that advice always isn't going to be easy to hear
2: and surround yourself with people who are smarter than you we can't achieve
1: goals if we're not willing to take advice and criticism the advice that i would give to ignore is don't listen to people who can tell you why you can't do something. Hmm. That's, that's negative feedback. And it's got no place out there in the professional world. Any Anybody who's a leader who tells somebody why they can't do something does not belong in leadership.
0: Couldn't agree more. So in the last five years,
2: what have you become better at saying no to? You know, I don't know if this is, if it's
1: better for me saying no, but I've, I have really gotten better at learning how to identify what takes away my peace, my inner peace. And Sometimes that's been, that has been movies that's been going out with friends, not going to certain places, but just hanging out with certain individuals or drawing the line in terms of what I share with individuals. And that, that, that is still a struggle that I really, that I have, that I really battle with. It's learning how to define what my vulnerability looks like with certain individuals. So something, if I had to specifically answer the question, it would be, I've learned to say no to with whom I share the specific parts of my story with, because not everybody's going to value it the same way. And I heard in a business conference one time, this real estate guru who was also an addict in recovery, he phrased his pitch as not casting pearls before swine from the Bible. And he's not talking about referring to people as pigs but referring to individuals who aren't equipped to accept all the vulnerable parts of our stories and so i don't share everything with everybody anymore people who come in and they want the intimate parts of my of my story they don't get them they'll get the basics they'll get my struggles and i'm willing to talk about my struggles and my past but they're not going to really get the nitty-gritty stuff because they haven't earned it they haven't earned that to hear everything and in the beginning I would do that. And it really came back. It really backfired on me several times. And so I've learned how to navigate that. So
0: how have you found mentors and advisors
1: throughout your career? I've had to reach out. I've had to reach out to individuals in, in recovery. I've had to reach out to business people that I really admire. In fact, how I came to work when I'm working right now, not only on On my professional side, but also on my nonprofit side was I reached out to an individual whom I greatly admired and asked them for some advice on how to deal with a specific client. And one thing led to another, and they ended up offering me a position with where I'm working with that, with them right now. On the nonprofit side, I had no clue where to go. And so I remembered an individual that worked for my law school, whom I had created a a really good connection with and so i reached out to her and i said hey here's my business model what do you think and she was just like carrot this is incredible you have to share this with people and i said i know but nobody wants to hear it and and i said who who would want to hear this and so she started getting me in contact with some of these judges and it's just really taken off from there that's awesome So,
0: in the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life?
2: I'm going to say rigorous honesty in every aspect. Mm -hmm. Thanks. And I refer to
1: myself. I don't want to speak generally. I got really good at manipulating truths, especially my own truths, and hiding things. And recovery wasn't going where I wanted to. I was having slips and relapses because I was holding on to secrets, and I wasn't being rigorously honest with myself. And in fact, in my 12-step meeting last night, we even talked about being spiritually rigorously honest with ourselves. And and just learning how to be honest in every aspect, regardless of the consequence, and that has been hard. It's caused me to lose clients. It's caused me to lose potential in, individuals who are willing to support me in, in these nonprofit models that I have going. It's created some really serious arguments with my family and with my wife. And it, it has just been so hard to be rigorously honest in every aspect of life. And I continue to, I'm not 100% honest all the time. I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that I am. But when I'm able to say, I, I choose to be honest and authentic with myself before anything else. Even though there's pain associated with it, there's more peace that definitively comes with it. And so developing the habit of just saying every morning, Today, I'm going to choose to be rigorously honest and authentic with myself above anything else. Most of the time, opportunities come that allow me to do that. And it may not lead me down the path that I want, but it'll take me down the path that I need to maintain recovery and peace within myself. Very powerful.
0: So, are there any quotes that you think of often or that you live your life by?
1: Yes, several. One is, The one that I just shared with you about life offers many options, but one of them is giving up's not one of them. That really has just
2: been a a lifesaver for me in so many ways. And then another
1: one is, and I'm actually pulling them up on my phone right now as you asked me that question. (laughs) One of them is... Trust the weights, embrace the uncertainty, enjoy the beauty of becoming. When nothing is certain, everything is possible. And it's just a reminder, a daily reminder to me of just slowing down, connecting with myself, and just saying, I may not know what's best for me, but I'm going to trust in life in the universe and in my higher power that they know what's best for me and then i just let it happen from there and then the last one that i have is i celebrate my scars because they're living proof that i was stronger than whatever attempted to take me down and so i used to have so much shame around my disbarment if you googled me you'll pull me up everywhere on the internet about my voluntary disbarment and i had so much shame around that and because i know the details about what happened and the media doesn't and the media never will because i won't share that with them i'm proud of my scars and what i overcame and what and where i'll be able to get to again because it is proof to me that I can overcome anything. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's a great quote. I love that. Thank you. So Garrett, this has been a really fascinating and fun conversation, but that does lead me to my final question of the day. And that is, what is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you?
2: I'm here. I'm just thinking. Take your time. It's a heavy one. It's an emotional one for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: A lot of people are reduced to tears uh, (laughs) by this question. So
2: it's all good. It's all love. You know. All right. A while back. Before, the individual that I work for and work with
1: now, he knows all the nitty gritty and all the stuff about my story. And I remember about a year and a half ago, him when I were talking, and I bet you, he wouldn't even remember this. And him and I were talking, and I was just talking to him about my struggles, about my financial situation and things like that. And he interrupted me in the middle of the story. And he just gave me a big old hug. And he just looked at me and he said, I don't care what anybody says out there. I don't care what anybody thinks out there. You are the most incredible person I know. And until you learn to believe that for yourself, nothing will ever be good enough for you. And I just broke down. I'm like, no one has ever said that to me before. <laughs> you know, just like that, like oh, embarrassing yeah. type sobbing that you get. Oh yeah. And and because nobody has ever said that to me before, my parents have never said that to me before in that kind of a context. And my my spouse, for as incredible as she is, and for uh, as supportive, and she's a warrior by all means. The way that struck me in that moment, she's never even connected with me like that. Before then, since then, we've had some opportunities, but it was both engaging and empowering for me at the same time. And I have, and I wrote about that in my journal, and I go back to that specific moment when I've hit my lows, because it's just been a catalyst for who I am and who I want to be. It's a wonderful
0: story. Thank you, Garrett. Thank you so much again for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure getting to speak with you.
1: It, it really has been an honor. I love what you do and I just really am grateful that you invited me onto your show.
0: Oh, I really appreciate your kind words. Thank you so much. Uh huh. Today's episode was brought to you by Prosperitas, making unforgettable videos for unforgettable companies. Visit ProsperitasAgency.com today to learn more. Thank you so much to all of our listeners for tuning in to today's show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us so that others can find it as well. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the LUE Podcast, or visit our website at theluepodcast.com. If you'd like to support this show even further, I'd love to invite you to become a patron of the show. For as little as $5 per month, you can help us continue to produce high-quality shows with amazing guests like you heard today. To become a patron, please visit patreon.com slash the L-U-E podcast. We look forward to having you tune in next time for the next episode of Law, the Universe, and Everything. I'm Pacifico Soldati, wishing you peace, love, and awesomeness.